Hello, my heart-to-heart fam. My goodness, first of all, you're going to hear the same introduction over the next four episodes because I've got something so juicy for you. I did a thing. I worked on a really cool project for you guys with one of my dear friends in the industry, Courtney Tucker, who is a multiple six-figure business coach, mentor, who specializes in marketing and sales. And Courtney and I have very similar beliefs and views on the industry, how we coach, how we teach, how we mentor, our values. And I wanted to bring someone to this podcast where we could just have a real deal behind the scenes, business coach, business to coach, business to coach, business coach to business coach, real deal conversation. There's no editing. There's no fluff. This is literally, you guys are getting a sneak peek behind the scenes of what two business coaches have to say about sales, marketing, showing up, getting to the next level of growth, income, and ultimately what we believe to be true to get to your next level, but also to get to where you want to go in business and the truth behind the industry, the real deal stuff that you're not seeing talked about on social media. So you don't want to miss out. Be sure to tune in. Be sure to follow Courtney. You can get inside her Facebook group. You can connect with her. You can buy from her. All of her links are going to be in the show notes over these next four weeks. You can connect with her. You can connect with me. Dive in. I hope you guys enjoy. I'll see you soon. Oh my goodness. Welcome to the Heart to Heart Real Business Podcast, where we talk about real business, real growth, and what it truly takes to have a business, not only that you love, but also makes a ton of money along the way. This is a place you can come to listen, share, learn, and just be yourself. I'm your host, Michelle Hartzman. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, you guys. Another episode with me and Courtney today. We are going to be following up on last week's episode with marketing, leads, showing up in this online space outside of Instagram and allowing your business to be a little bit more evergreen and a little bit more outside of the box than you may have been taught when you first got into this online space. Again, this episode is really going to be for you if you're craving diversifying your business, craving to diversify your marketing, and really allow yourself to be seen and heard in other places outside of Instagram. I know Courtney's been chatting about this a lot with her community. I'm even on her email list. I think I saw an email come in either yesterday or this morning about some training she has coming up around this exact topic. And we're like, you know what? It's just perfect to keep this conversation going. And then we'll see where it takes us because I never know where these episodes are actually going to go. So I'm going to hand it over to you, Court. You let me know what's coming up as I just spoke here and we'll go from there. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm hosting a, a training series right now on this topic. And so it feels very timely. And It wasn't something I had intentionally planned, but after I took a bit of time off Instagram and started talking to my community about this, I started realizing that a lot of people are really interested in this and learning more about not not how to leave Instagram, but how to redefine the role of Instagram in our business. And like you said, diversify 
how we are marketing our businesses, generating leads and making sales. Um, because I do believe that if we are solely relying on Instagram, I think you're building your business on a very rocky foundation because so much of Instagram is out of our control. And so I, um, I like to look at what am I in control of and what can I have more control over? So something I really like to teach clients is um, the simplest approaches that you can take to start diversifying. Um, and there's so many different things you can do. I think that when we think about online business, we our minds immediately go to social media, right? I know that's how you started. That's how I started. And for a long time, that was all I did. All I did was post on Instagram and Facebook a little bit. And I started learning over the last couple of years, like, wow, uh, there's so much more. There's so much more that we can do. And so um, I don't know where you want to take this. I, I can kind of provide some of the initial avenues that I encourage all online business owners to look into that are, I think, like the easiest places to get started, if that sounds good. Yeah, I think let's start there and then we can kind of debunk like this idea. Something I was just talking about with a client yesterday, I think we're kind of getting trapped right now. And I think if you turn on your Instagram, if you were to open it right now, you see a lot of marketing around this where it's like Instagram business coaching, like it's like coaching for running your business on Instagram, right? And so with the platforms and the things that the people listening can start today to really start looking at their businesses as an actual business and not just an Instagram business. Oh, that's so true. I, oh, this is a little bit of a tangent, but we do see a lot of that on Instagram. And I know I had found myself following a lot of the quote unquote Instagram experts. And I was comparing my, how I was using Instagram with how they were using Instagram. And we have to remember that those people, their job is Instagram. And so it's more realistic for them to post multiple times a day and to have this like really highly curated content, but that's not my business. My business isn't Instagram, right? And so I just, you know, I think we see a lot of that on, on Instagram right now. But anyways, mm. let's get into other ways to, to market your business. So there are three other um, avenues that I think anyone, even if you are just getting started, you can pursue. So when, um, when someone's getting started in their business, when you're in those earlier seasons, but really anyone, um, but in the beginning, the most of your clients are very likely going to be friends, family members, or people who are already in your community or your extended community. I think we talked about this on an early episode. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of times we overlook that because we think that that doesn't really count, right? But it absolutely counts. And so one of the easiest things that you can do is create some type of referral program or a referral um, incentive and just start asking people for referrals, people that you already know, people who are already in your community. And I guarantee that there are lots of people in your extended community that people you are immediately connected with can refer to you. Hey there, Heart to Heart family. If you're enjoying the show, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and also head on over to hearttoheart.co, spelled just like the podcast, if you're ready to build and have a sustainable, scalable business that mixes the strategy, mindset, and energetic practices necessary to get you there. That's where the magic happens. Okay, now back to the show. And 
and it doesn't have to take a lot of time. You don't have to set anything fancy up, but I think it's something that we're not taking advantage of enough as online business owners. 100%. And I think oftentimes people are scared to ask for referrals. It's like, well, if they didn't choose to just refer me, that means that they don't want to refer me. And it actually means nothing. They might not know that you take referrals. They might not know that you have spots open. They might not even know who your ideal client is. And so getting in front of people that know you, love you, trust you, and can refer you can literally build your whole book of business. I have some clients that they market on Instagram, but majority of their clients are actually coming from their communities based on doing this. And they're so happy with that. Like it gets to look however you want it to look. Yeah, for sure. And once you have some clients and, and you kind of get that snowball rolling, your business can very largely grow simply by referrals. And I often tell people that referrals are the cheapest and one of the most effective forms of marketing, because if somebody is referred to me by somebody who's worked with me or somebody that knows me well, there's an immediate level of trust established because they were referred by someone who they trust, right? So it's like that trust by association. And so that is going to typically be a much quicker sales process. They're going to have much fewer objections and be essentially your easiest sales. So I love, love, love referrals. And like I said, they don't take a lot of time at all to just ask, right? We could go deep into like all the things about referrals. <laughs> exactly. And all I was going to say is that you can create like referral programs and really incentivize your people to want to send referrals to. And it gets to be fun for them. And it gets to be fun for you. Like your people want to see your business thrive. So allow them to help you with it. Yeah, absolutely. And what I've found to be the most successful myself and for clients is money. Like everybody's motivated by money. So if you can just give a kickback, a you know, monetary commission for referrals, you um, can just build that into your pricing. So if you decide I want to be paid, you know, $500 a month for every client that I have, then charge, you know, $600 and give a $100 referral commission. So you can just build that into your pricing. Yep, exactly. Oh, so good. So we've got referrals. I know I've got some things on my list, Court, but what are two other things that are sitting on your list that they need to hear today outside of marketing on Instagram? Yeah, so one of the, I think, lowest hanging fruit that not a lot of people are taking advantage of is collaboration. People are working so hard right now, putting in so much time and energy and effort into gaining one follower at a time, right? And while that can work, I feel like that is a long game. If you can intentionally collaborate with other people in your industry or in similar industries that have a community, an already existing community of people who trust that person, and you can come in and bring your specific area of expertise. Now that's a whole pool of people that you can bring back into your community. So like what Michelle and I are doing here is a perfect example of that. So Michelle already has you as a trusted listener and follower and part of her community. And if you vibe with me and my energy, then you might come follow me on Instagram or come join my Facebook group community or, you know, subscribe to my email list and to, to be a part of my community, right? 
And so if you can get in, in a habit of consistently reaching out and making connections, you are going to be able to exponentially grow your community. Um, and it's so much fun. Like as entrepreneurs, I think we a lot of times feel like we live on an island. And so these connections and collaborating with people, whether it's through podcasting or guest coaching or speaking in other people's programs, honestly, is just so fulfilling and fun for me. And I, you know, I hear that from a lot of other people as well. Yeah, I think collaborations are super underrated. And I think sometimes we're hesitant to ask people to collab, um, because there can be scarcity that comes up, there can be so many things that come up with collaborations. But the one thing that will happen when you collab is like the thing that you're working on will be so much easier. Even these episodes that Courtney and I are producing and putting out for you guys, these have been like so off the cuff. I haven't had to plan anything because I know whatever her and I talk about is just going to be a really great value add to you guys. And it just makes it easier through collaborations to do things like this, whether that's co-lives, co-masterclasses, co-podcasts, like it's just it's limitless when you collab with people. And when you are collabing with people that are on a similar path as you in a similar niche both of your audiences get to grow, your communities get to grow, they learn from you, you learn from them. And it's just this beautiful thing that happens very organically. And it's kind of piggybacking off of referrals. It's like, if you, they see you on someone's page, and or podcast, and they're like, Oh, this person, I already trust, trust this person, I'm going to get in their world. They're also more likely to pay you because you came from a trusted referral collaboration. Absolutely. And it's a much quicker, I think, sales cycle, right? For somebody who is interested in your services, if they're, they come through a trusted source, they're more likely going to, you know, be ready to, to you know, work with you if, if that's where they're at in their journey. And so you're absolutely right. And I think a question that comes up for people or where people get stuck when it comes to this is like, well, who am I collaborating with? Right. And so, hmm, like Michelle said, you have to come from a place of abundance and you have to recognize that we as coaches, we're not in competition. We're all here with a similar mission. Like Michelle's mission is similar to my mission. Like we just want to help people in this space. And so I recognize that even though we coach similarly on similar things and we probably have a similar ideal client, people who resonate with you are going to be different than people who resonate with me, right? And there are an abundance of people who need our types of services. And so we're not in competition, right? It's, it's a win-win for everyone. So let's say you are a, um, a fitness coach, right? I mean, you could collaborate with other fitness coaches that maybe have a different area of expertise or a different specialty. You could collaborate with um, nutrition coaches. You could collaborate with other types of health and wellness people, mindset coaches. Um, I've even had like um, worked with like a financial coach who did collaborations with my health and fitness coach clients. And so anywhere where you feel like my ideal client could be hanging out in that community could be a valuable connection for you. And what I think is really going to allow you to really bring value to other people's communities is if you can have a very, very specialized area of expertise that you can bring to them. So let's say that you are a health coach, but you really focus on intuitive eating, and that is your zone of genius, and specifically intuitive eating for new moms, right? 
Well, now you can bring that very, very niche area of expertise um, and bring it to someone else's community that might be more of a, a general, um, you know, type of community. Mm, so, so good. Which brings us now to point number three that you've got on your list there, Court. Absolutely. So I think something that all of us as online business owners can and should be doing is building email lists. Um, email marketing, I think, is tried and true and probably a little bit underrated. And I believe that because we don't own our social media, right? Social media algorithms can change at any time. So much is out of our control. It's important to look at things that we do own and you do own your email list. Um, and so there are lots of benefits to email marketing, one being that you own it, another being that you can automate a lot of it. And so the way that you're going to grow your email list is through some type of lead magnet, right? People are going to opt in to get something, whether it's a training or a resource or access to a special deal. They're going to give you that. Um, they're going to get that in exchange for giving you their email address. And then you can put them into a funnel, as we call it, or a, a sequence where you have automated emails that go out and nurture them. Now you're not having to show up every single day and create new content, but you have pre-created content that's able to serve your email, uh, people on your email list um, over a, you know, a long period of time without you having to create new. Um, you know, something like a, um, a podcast would be another good example of that. You own your podcast, right? They can't come change the algorithms of how your podcast gets exposure, right? So really looking at platforms that you can have more control over, um, but email list being one of them that's, you know, very easy and accessible for anyone to create. I think they're so underrated. I talk to my clients about email lists all the time and email marketing, you guys, you're creating so much content for social media. You can take that content and repurpose into your emails. I think we have all this content that we put all on all these platforms, even podcasts. You can take every ounce of content that you're creating and putting out there and repurpose it into emails to nurture people on your email list. And let's be real. I don't know about you guys, but I check my email every day, at least once a day, usually Definitely. multiple times a day. Right. I, I want to see what sales are happening. I want to see what's happening in my business inbox. So I see people's like Courtney's email. I think I mentioned it earlier today on this episode. I saw her marketing email come into my inbox because I'm checking my email. I might not have seen Courtney on Instagram yet today, but I saw her in my email and that in and of itself, we're getting more points of exposure. And from a sales psychology standpoint, the more times I see you popping up in my inbox, popping up on the podcast, popping up on Instagram, Facebook, et cetera, I start to think of you more. And when I'm looking to hire someone, you're probably the person that's going to pop in my head first because I've now seen you in all these other places where just on Instagram, sh shoot your shot. I might not see you today, depending on what time you show up. Yeah, that's so true. And again, it's that control, right? You have more control over it. And to me, email feels more intimate. And sure, people might not open every single email that you send, or they might not thoroughly read any of your emails. But again, like Michelle said, you're still, your name is still popping up in front of them. And there's value to that, right? There's value to that. There's a lot of people that I'm subscribed to their emails. I see their emails and I don't open every single one, 
but I don't unsubscribe because sometimes there's that one where it's that subject line that just captures my attention and I want to open and that's the one that I need to read. So don't get so hung up in thinking like people aren't reading these, they're not opening them. There's still value to just you showing up and having that level of exposure. Exactly. And people come back to things like even with the podcast, I I don't always know who's listening and when, but I'll get a random message that somebody listened to an episode that came out like four months ago. And that's the same with email. Like people randomly go back and search your name in their inbox and they're like, oh, what did Courtney have to say? Let me pull up all of her emails. And then they start reading. Like we go through weird cycles as consumers of like whose things were like, catching, whose things you want to read, how we want to absorb them. And when people are special, really considering working with you, they want to be on all the things. They want to see all of your things. They want to absorb your voice, your words. So allow them to outside of just Instagram, where even if you look at your content, maybe six months ago, you yourself might not even resonate with what was happening on Instagram six months ago, because it's ever changing. But the things that you're putting out in email and podcasts, etc. I also find it tends to be a little bit more valuable. We tend to take a different approach with different platforms outside of Instagram. It's less of day in the life and it's really valuable potent content that goes a really long way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And you can, emails do not have to take a lot of time. Like I send one a week and it does not take me a lot of time. It's usually repurposed from um, a training I did and you can use your email to then cross promote other things. So you can promote your podcast, you can drive people to an Instagram post or to a training that you did in your Facebook group. And so it's this really great place that you can essentially cross promote yourself and then get people binging your content and consuming more from you for very low investment of your time. Exactly. And so I guess with this whole point of these last two episodes, it's really diversify how you're marketing. and. If right now Instagram isn't quote unquote giving you the ROI that you're desiring because all you've been taught up until this point is Instagram business model, that's not the only way to run your business. And I just want to encourage you guys to open your eyes to start looking at your business as an actual business that if Instagram wasn't here, something I always ask myself is, is if Instagram like were to shut down today, we're knocking on wood, that's not going to happen. But like, if it happens, would I be okay? And the answer to that is yes. Like, I, like my business would still run. We'd still, people would still be buying. People know where to find me. People know where to consume my content. And that's something I would really ask yourself when it comes to your business is, is my business capable to run with and or without Instagram? And if it's not in that place right now, that's completely okay. That's why we're having this conversation so that you can legitimize your business. Yes. And there are some really easy steps that you can take. Um, and I, something I would challenge everyone to really think about is, I don't know if this is actually a term or if I just made this up, but I like to categorize marketing as passive marketing and active marketing. So passive marketing to me is like, I'm going to put this post out on content and I'm just going to hope that people come to me. I'm going to hope that people see it and click the link in my bio or DM me this word. To me, that's very passive. 
Active marketing is like, I'm actually going to go out there and I'm going to talk to people and I'm actually going to pitch myself and I'm actually going to reach out to that lead and say, hey, let's hop on the phone and I want to tell you about what I have. Or I'm going to reach out to that person and say, hey, here's what I do. Here's who I serve. Here's why I'm so passionate about this. I would love if you could make an introduction to somebody who you know would be a great fit. Hey, I'm going to reach out to that, that person who I listen to their podcast and I know I could bring value to it and you know offer to be on it and actively putting yourself out there and it's scary and, and it can be, um, you know, uh, intimidating and sometimes you're going to be rejected and that's okay. That's just part of the process. If you're not consistently being rejected, if you're not consistently hearing no, you're probably not asking enough. You're probably not putting yourself out there enough. So if you can just get really, really good at talking about what you do and putting yourself out there and making those connections, you are going to see your business grow a lot more quickly than if you are just passively putting content out and hoping people are going to come to you. I think that passive marketing is being really hyper-focused on right now in our space because I think it's sexy, um, um, right? Like I, th I think it's sexy to see a post that's like, I... I'll give you an example. I've, pro I've posted this where I've said I sold six spots in my mastermind before we officially launched. I could have a tagline like that. And then I'm going to give you an explanation of how that actually happened. How that actually happened was I had conversations with six women that I knew wanted to resign who have already been in the mastermind and I initiated and reinvited them in. So there was passive and active marketing. But I think oftentimes we're being sold, oh, I just show I just showed up. I open spots and my program sold out. And that's sometimes it works like that. Some of my launches, some of some of them literally sell like that. And it's like, awesome. We want to replicate that. We want to look at what we did for that result to happen. And then there's sometimes where private invites are going out and collaborations are happening and free master classes and challenges and asking for the sale are is happening. And I think it's so important. I love that you brought this up, Courtney, because I think it's so important for us to look at, okay, if I'm just promoting and saying DM me or click the link in my bio and people aren't moving, that doesn't mean there's something wrong with what I'm doing, but I can also add to this and get a little bit more active with my marketing build relationships with my community, ask for the sale, do the collaborations. You're never stuck, but it is forcing yourself to get a little bit uncomfortable, not just waiting for people to come in and find you. Definitely. And let's remember, you have been planting seeds and building yourself as an authority and building a trusted community for years. So you have the ability to have a little bit more passive approach because you already have warm leads who have been watching you and consuming your content for potentially two, three years now. And so that's not the case for everyone, right? And so I think you have to look at the stage you're at in your business and where your buyers are. If you have more colder leads, then you're going to have to do more active things. If you have a really, really warm audience, then you might get away with some more passive things. But you're right. It is a combination of two. Um, it's a combination of both. And um, I think it's just good for people to be aware. It's so interesting, Michelle, that you said that that's what's sexy right now. Because what I thought you were going to say is that that's what's safe. And that's what's <laughs> easy, right? And But that makes sense because people are trying to sell what's easy, right? 
like everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. So we stay, it's sexy because it's easy. It's easy for me to stay behind my phone and just put this post out, but it's really hard and scary sometimes for me to put myself out there and take more of the active approach. So that's very interesting. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, I think and I think it's just something to be mindful of. And like, no matter how your clients are coming in, there's no right or wrong way. And it's going to work different for every single business owner. It's going to look different. And I think that's just something to be so mindful of, especially if you're somebody that's in group programs, masterminds, really admiring the way your your mentor does business, etc. Like what's working for her at the level that she's at might be very different than the level that you're at. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? And I think every program, every launch, everything that we sell looks different. How people come in looks different. I even analyze it with every single one of my offers of like, okay, this sold like within 24 hours and like this thing is selling, but not as quickly. How can I dissect that? How can I change this one to perform better over here? And it's constantly just being aware of how things are working not working and being willing to change things up if they're not working. Yeah. And what's working for you, not what's working for the person next to you, because you are your unique, a unique person with a unique business, with a unique community. And so what's going to work for you might be different than someone else. Even if you have the same business and the same business model, that doesn't mean the same approach to marketing and sales is going to work. So Michelle, I'm eager to know what else was on your list. Oh, that's a really good question. So the one last thing I wanted to add, and I know it's a social component, but one thing that I have found that feels like mine outside of Instagram, email list, my podcast is my Facebook community, not Facebook, but my community. And it's so interesting. I think that people have this weird perception of community and I don't want to have a community. I don't want to show up in there. I don't want to post in there every single day. And like, in my perspective, I'm like, those are your people. Those are people that literally were like, Oh my gosh, I want to come off of Instagram, be in your community. And I want to hear what you have to say every single day. So in my mind, I'm like, these are like my people. It's like, it's like I'm at a concert with them every day and I want to show up and give them value every day. What's so interesting about Facebook groups is People don't usually, like my Facebook group isn't jump in from the perspective of people are always commenting and liking my things. But what is happening is people see my name every day. They see my name and I get messages almost daily of members from that community telling me how much they love being in that community and the value that I share, even though they never say anything in that group. And most of those women, I want to say we're probably at 90% of the women in there have become clients, are in some kind of offer, want to become clients, etc. And I think it's a missed mark that we're not really paying attention to because we want instant validation. We want to have a Facebook group that's like jiving and so voluminous and people are commenting and liking and interactive. First of all, it's a free group. They chose to be there. There's no obligation of them. All I know is they see that I'm putting stuff in there every day They can take the value or they can leave the value. But what I've seen over the last couple of years having this group running, majority of those women become my clients and they love being a part of it. And I, again, I know it's a social media part of social media, but it's my own group. I control it. 
I control what happens in there. There's no algorithm, regardless, they're going to see it unless they decide to leave the group or mute the group. And that's something that I think if you're wanting to cultivate a warmer community, have people actually see your stuff, that's a really great way to do so. I agree with that 100%. That is where I, I would say convert most clients is when they are in my Facebook group and they consume my trainings in there. Because it's an intimate space. It feels to me, and I think it sounds like you as well, like it feels different than social media, the traditional sense. I literally get on Facebook just to go in my group. I don't get on Facebook to like scroll Facebook. I get into Facebook to go into my group. And you're right. They're seeing your name up. It's that exposure. And I have had members of that community who don't comment, probably don't view anything for an extended period of time. And then all of a sudden, I'll see that they're commenting on all my videos, like they're binging them, you know? And so it's kind of that idea of like, when they're ready, when they're at a stage where they're ready, and we don't know when, when our consumers are always going to be ready, but when they're ready, they know that they have that place to go get that value. So I agree with that 100%. I think there's so much value in Facebook group communities. And I think there's, I know the way I run it is, is very um, intimate and feel very connected, but I don't spend a ton of time in there. Like it does not consume a lot of my time at all. And so I think people sometimes are in, uh, intimidated or don't want to start the Facebook group because they think it's going to be this huge time suck. And I absolutely don't think it has to be in order to be a successful community. I think it takes the least of my time. Okay. <laughs> I, but I think, I think we just have to change the expectation of what we want our Facebook groups to be. Like it's not, you're not creating a Facebook group for your external validation, for people to be hyping you up every time you show up in there. You're creating a Facebook group to cultivate and host a community where people can come and ask questions if you allow it. They can promote themselves if you allow it. They can consume your free content, be seen and safe and have a place to go when they're wanting to learn about the thing that you teach on and the thing that you're an expert in and you create that community. It's yours. And so it gets to look however you want it to look. But I think we think oftentimes when we think about Facebook groups, we don't lead with the best intentions. And I think that's when we end up being disappointed. Um, and the one thing I'll say about Facebook groups, it's a long game. I've had mine open for three years now, I think. Um, and not every woman that is in there right now has invested in me yet. But three years from three years, there are women that have been there for three years that have now just this year become clients from being in that Facebook group. And it's like, yeah. you're in this for the long game. So create the foundations and the community and the places that you want to show up to give to your people, but also where they know they can find you. Yeah, for sure. And what I found about the Facebook group, I do a live training in there every week. And um, I refer people back to those trainings all the time. So it's almost become this like library of free content that maybe now I'm engaging with someone on Instagram who reaches out to me about a question they have. And I can now pull the link to a training I did on that three months ago that's going to answer their question in depth without me having to send 10 minutes worth of voice notes, right? Now they get more information from me. They come into my community. They start binging other pieces of content. So it really, like you said, you think about the long game, it's also content that can serve you and serve your community over a long period of time, which is really, really beautiful. And I don't feel like you have that so much with Instagram. So there's that as well. Mm, 100%. Uh, we covered so much today, you guys. I hope you had your notebooks. So good. 
Yeah. If not, come back, catch the replay. You guys can come listen to Courtney and I again. Um, for now, this is the end of mine and Courtney's little episode sequence, but I know for sure this will not be the last that you guys see Courtney on the Heart to Heart podcast. Um, and then, of course, in the show notes, we are going to link Courtney's Instagram. We'll link her Facebook group. You guys can get connected and stay in her world. Ask her all the questions. And we love you guys. And I'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, remember to hit subscribe to stay updated and head on over to my Instagram at Michelle Hartsman for all things business, fun, money, growth, and expansion. And I'll see you next time.